Introduction of Moral Letters to Lucilius. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Moral Letters to Lucilius by Lucius Aeneas Seneca. Translated by Richard M. Gamir. Introduction. Among the personalities of the early Roman Empire, there are few who offer to the readers of today such dramatic interest as does Lucius Aeneas Seneca, the author of the epistles which are translated in this volume. Born in a province, educated at Rome, prominent at the bar, a distinguished exile, a trusted minister of state, and a doomed victim of a capricious emperor, Seneca is so linked with the age in which he lived that in reading his works we read those of a true representative of the most thrilling period of Roman history. Seneca was born in the year 4 B.C., a time of great opportunity, at Corduba in Spain, son of the talented rhetorician Aeneas Seneca. We gather that the family moved to Rome during the boyhood of Lucius, that he was educated for the bar, and that he was soon attracted by the Stoic philosophy, the stern nurse of heroes during the first century of the empire that his social connections were distinguished we infer from the prominence and refinement of his brother gallio the gallio of the new testament from the fact that he himself was noticed and almost condemned to death by the emperor caligula soon after he began to speak in public and especially because his aunt whom he visited in egypt was the wife of the governor of that country up to the year forty one he prospered he makes mention of his children of his mother who like the mother of goethe seems to have imbued him with idealism and a certain amount of mysticism and of many valued friends but during that year as a result of court intrigue he was banished to the island of corsica the charge against him was a too great intimacy with lulia livilla unfortunate sister of the late emperor and the arch foe of messalina whose husband claudius had recalled the princess from exile we may discount any crime on Seneca's part, because even the gossip-laden Suetonius says the charge was vague and the accused was given no opportunity to defend himself. The eight years of exile were productive of much literary work. The tragedies, which have had such influence on later drama, are the fruit of this period, besides certain essays on philosophic subjects and a rather cringing letter to Polybius, a rich freedman at the court of Claudius in forty nine however fortune whom seneca as a stoic so often ridicules came to his rescue agrippina had him recalled and appointed tutor to her young son later to become the emperor nero holding the usual offices of state and growing in prominence seneca administered the affairs of the prince in partnership with burris the praetorian together they maintained the balance of power between the throne and senate until the death of Burrus in the year 62. After that time, a philosopher without the support of military power was unable to cope with the vices and whims of the monster on the throne. The last two years of Seneca's life were spent in traveling about southern Italy, composing essays on natural history and relieving his burdened soul by correspondence with his friend Lucilius. In the year 65 came his suicide anticipating an act of violence on the emperor's part in this deed of heroism he was nobly supported by his young wife paulina the best account of these dark days is given in tacitus these letters are all addressed to lucilius
From internal evidence we gather that the native country of this Lucilius was Campania, and his native city Pompeii or Naples. He was a Roman knight, having gained that position, as Seneca tells us, by sheer industry. Prominent in the civil service, he had filled many important positions and was, at the time when the letters were written, procurator in Sicily. He seems to have had Epicurean tendencies, like so many men from his part of Italy. The author argues and tries to win him over to Stoicism in the kindliest manner. Lucilius wrote books, was interested in philosophy and geography, knew intimately many persons in high places, and is thought by some to be the author of the extant poem Etna. When their friendship began, we cannot say. The Naturalis Questiones and the Letters are the work of Seneca's closing years. Both are addressed to Lucilius. The essay De Providentia, which was also dedicated to him, is of doubtful date and may be fixed at any time between the beginning of the exile in Corsica and the period when the letters were written. In spite of the many problems which confront us, it may be safely said that the years 63 to 65 constitute the period of the letters. We find possible allusions to the Campanian earthquake of 63, a reference to the conflagration at Lyon, which took place either in 64 or in 65, and various hints that the philosopher was traveling about Italy in order to forget politics. The form of this work, as Bacon says, is a collection of essays rather than of letters. The recipient is often mentioned by name, but his identity is secondary to the main purpose. The language at the beginning of the 75th letter, for example, might lead one to suppose that they were dashed off in close succession. You complain that you receive from me letters which are rather carelessly written. But the ingenious juxtaposition of effective words, the balance in style and thought, and the continual striving after point, indicate that the language of the diatribe had affected the informality of the epistle. The structure of each letter is interesting. A concrete fact, such as the mention of an illness, a voyage by sea or land, an incident like the adventure in the Naples Tunnel, a picnic party or an assemblage of friends who discuss questions from Plato or Aristotle or Epicurus, these are the elements which serve to justify the reflections which follow. After such an introduction, the writer takes up his theme. He deals with abstract subjects such as the contempt of death, the stout-heartedness of the sage, or the quality of the supreme good. We shall not mention the sources of all these topics in footnotes, but shall aim only to explain that which is obscure in meaning or unusual in its import. Plato's theory of ideas, Aristotle's categories, Theophrastus on friendship, Epicurus on pleasure, and all the countless doctrinal shades of difference which we find in the Stoic leaders are at least sketched in outline. But we must give full credit to the philosopher's own originality. In these letters it is impossible to ignore the advance from a somewhat stiff and Ciceronian point of view into the attractive and debatable land of what one may fairly call modern ideas. The style of the epistles is bold, and so is the thought. Considered en masse, the letters from a fruitful and helpful handbook, of the very widest scope and interest, the value of intelligent reading and the studies which make for culture is presented to Lucilius with frequency, notably in Numbers 2 and 88. Seneca agrees with the definition of higher studies as those which have no reference to mere utility. 
the dignity of the orator's profession forty and one nineteen is brought to the attention of a young self-made merchant who seems inclined toward platform display the modern note is struck when the author protests against the swinish and debasing effects of slavery or gladiatorial combats forty seven and seventy preaches against the degeneracy of drunkenness eighty three portrays the charms of plain living and love of nature fifty seven sixty seven seventy nine eighty six eighty seven ninety ninety four recommends retirement eighteen fifty one fifty six eighty a hundred and twenty two or manifests a baconian interest in scientific inventions fifty seven and seventy nine most striking of all is the plea ninety four for the equality of the sexes and for conjugal fidelity in the husband to be interpreted no less strictly than honor in the part of the wife the craze for athletics is also analyzed and rebuked fifteen the epistles contain also of course the usual literary types which every roman epistolographer would feel bound to introduce there is the consolatio there is the theme of friendship there are second-hand lectures on philosophy taken from plato and aristotle and theophrastus as we have indicated above and several characteristically roman laudations of certain old men including the author himself who wrestle with physical infirmities but the stoic doctrine is interpreted better from the roman point of view by no other latin writer the facts of seneca's life prove the sincerity of his utterances and blunt the edge of many of the sneers which we find in dio cassius regarding the fabulous sums which he had out at interest and the costly tables purchased for the palace of a millionaire finally in no pagan author save perhaps virgil is the beauty of holiness forty one so sincerely presented from a roman standpoint although his connection with the early church has been disproved seneca shows the modern the christian spirit three of the ideals mentioned above the hatred of combats in the arena the humane treatment of slaves and the sanctity of marriage draw us towards seneca as toward a teacher like jeremy taylor there is no pretense of originality in the latin text the translator has adopted with very few deviations that of o Hensey's second edition this text he has found to be excellent and he has also derived assistance from the notes accompanying the selected letters of w c summers richard m gummier haverford college may nineteen sixteen end of the introduction recording by john van stan savannah georgia